Thank you for joining us today with Cindy Sherwood's podcast, Words for the Journey. Today's message, Why God's Power May Be Missing. Today we're talking about idols in our life. One of the newer delights in my life in recent years is my growing love for the Old Testament. In the early years of my walk with the Lord, I gravitated more to the New Testament. It's so easy to relate to every other verse speaking something profound into my life. Instruction distilled down to clear nuggets of truth. The Old Testament is different. Much of it is in story format. Before I understood its dramatic relevance, I didn't find it much fun to read about battles and armies and takeovers and defeats. Why do I need to know that? How is that useful information to me today? I have a whole different view today. What I've come to realize is that the lives of God's people in the Old Testament mirror our lives today. It's not as different as you might think. The mistakes they made are the mistakes we make. The victories in their lives came from the same reasons they come to us today. If we look closely, we'll see it is incredibly relevant. The Bible is one story. The Old Testament takes us from the beginning of creation until 400 years before Christ was born. The New Testament picks it up there and continues until about 100 years after his death. But the whole story is about our journey with God. If we'll read the Bible and learn from it, we will avoid the costly mistakes God's people made. As we'll see in a moment, they made the same mistake over and over, and we do too. We're no different. The names have changed, but the story hasn't. So here's a flyby of the Old Testament, up to the point we're going to pick it up today. God created the universe, including man. After Noah and the flood, when the numbers of people had grown significantly, he called Abraham to leave his land in Ur, present-day Iraq, and they walked on over to a new land, to Canaan, or present-day Israel. Adam was the first of God's people to live in the land that would become the place of his people. From a human perspective, it was not a straight path from there. After three more generations were born, God relocated this family, now with 70 people, to Egypt. They were there 430 years, first as honored guests, but eventually as slaves. Weird, huh? God led his people away from this land, this promised land, their inheritance. Well, there was a reason. They needed to get much larger in number before they could fully possess the land. Seventy people wouldn't do it. 430 years later, though, they had grown to two million people. Now there were enough. There was another reason he moved them out, one that relates to our subject today. He did not want his people mingling with the locals. He knew what would happen. They would become like the locals, following pagan gods and indulging in detestable rituals. God wanted his people to remain pure and to follow his ways. 
In Egypt, they live separated from the Egyptians, isolated from the locals, and continued to live as God's people. Let's fast forward. At the end of the 430 years, God sent Moses to deliver the people from slavery and lead them in the wilderness for 40 years. When it was time for them to enter the promised land, the people finally arrived back home. They were now a people of two million and back where they belong. There are long sections of scripture in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy where God spells out the ground rules. Here it is in a nutshell. Follow me and it will go well. You will be safe. You'll be provided for. You will be protected. You'll be powerful. You'll be wealthy. You'll be happy. You'll raise families and live off the land forever. Here are some select verses from Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 and 2. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Verse 4. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Verse 7. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Verse 12. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And finally, verse 14. So you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. Wow. That's a pretty good offer. Sounds like a no-brainer to me. Here's the other half. Don't follow me, reject my ways, and none of that will be true. You'll lose everything and be miserable. You'll lose your freedom and go back into captivity. Here's just one verse of consequences. Deuteronomy 28, verse 20. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, and rebuke, and all that you set your hand to do until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. Well, there was no vagueness about what that meant. They knew full well what would happen. So what did they say when Moses spelled out the deal? Yeah, yeah, we get it. Follow God, and it goes well. Reject God, and we'll lose everything. Okay, we'll follow God. So then what happened? Well, the rest of the Old Testament from the book of Joshua through Malachi took place over roughly a thousand years. During the first 500 years, they kept repeating the same cycle. Follow God. Begin gravitating to false idols, worship false idols, get in trouble with God, repent of their sin, then return to God. They did this over and over 
and over until finally, during the second 500 years, Israel never again returned back to God. They chose the gods of the land, Baal, Ashtoreth, Shemash, and Moloch, over Almighty God, creator and ruler of the universe. By then, the country had divided into two. The other part of Israel was now called Judah. Judah returned to God a few times, but ultimately, they also chose to forsake God. The Old Testament does not end on a happy note. God made good on his word. After sending countless prophets to speak the truth, only to have the people reject them, he finally gave them over to their enemies. They were captured and taken into captivity. Why did this happen? Why did such promising beginnings become such disastrous endings? False idols. Luke 21 verse 34 says, Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly, like a trap. That's how it goes for us. We leave God and go our own way, merrily down pride pathway, and one day the trap springs, and we're slaves held in bondage. Because God waited as long as he could for his children to turn away from their idols, they thought he wasn't serious. They thought they were going to get away with their rebellion against him. They thought God would not make good on his word. If you know anything at all about God, he always makes good on his word. So what does this have to do with me? I don't worship Baal. I go to church. I'm a Christian. Well, what tripped up God's people? False idols. What's a false idol? Anything we look to for power to save us, protect us, or provide for us that does not have the power to do so. So where do we turn for help? What do we trust to guide our life? When we're hurting, where do we go? When we want to feel better, what is our go-to? Where do we turn when we don't feel safe? and need protection. When we have a need, where do we look for provision? To what do we give our time? To what do we give our money? To what do we give ourselves, our abilities, our resources? If God doesn't have the number one place in these matters, we are worshiping something other than God. At best, we're serving two masters, which is still disobedience and rebellion against God. The same thing that tripped up the Israelites trips us up today. They just have different names. Just like the Israelites, we put many things in God's place. Let me give you a few lists of favorites. I've grouped these into three different categories. The first are things that take away pain and make us feel better, at least for a short time. Each of these three lists are in alphabetical order. Alcohol, drugs, exercise, food, gambling, internet, pleasure, recreation, sexual addictions, shopping or buying things, sleeping, television, and work. Many of these can have an appropriate place in our life, but any one of them 
can move to the top of the heap where they become a false idol and we look to them to do things for us only God can do. Here's a list of false idols we gravitate toward in order to feel important or significant or secure. Achievements, beauty, career, church service, education, fitness, helping people, investments, knowledge, money, sports, unhealthy relationships, work. Our significance comes from God, from being His creation, His child. It never comes from what we do or achieve. These things have no power to provide for our true needs. We can also attempt to put another man or woman in the place of God, trusting a person to be our power protector or provider. But the main thing that we worship instead of God is ourself. We trust ourselves to be our own source of power, our own protector and provider. How do we choose to be our own God? Abortion, armoring up or not letting people in, Controlling everything or everyone. Debt, not paying what we owe. Hiding, hoarding, judging people, not forgiving, raging, seeking fantasy worlds, stealing, withdrawing from relationships, withholding the tithe. This is just a sample. There are many more things we do as our own God. And we can also do exactly what the Israelites did We can worship false gods and religions. There are many. If we are not following Jesus Christ, we are following a false god or religion. These are common things. Every human being will be tempted to put some of these things in the place of God at one time or another. And what's the problem with trusting in these things? With indulging in these things? They have no power to save us or protect us, or provide for us. They are powerless. First Samuel 2.21 in the NIV says, Do not turn away after useless idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue you, because they are useless. But there's more. Not only will they not help, they will hurt our life. If not at the beginning, then eventually. These things will take us captive and make us their slaves. And then one day, we will suddenly realize the trap is closed in on us and we are caught in bondage. We're not saved at all. Jonah 2.8 in the NIV says, Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. We're cheating ourselves when we trust in idols. We are the same as the Israelites of the Old Testament. We have the best. We have the one true God. We have a loving Heavenly Father who rains down upon us every blessing. We have Almighty God who watches over us and protects us. We have the shepherd and overseer of our soul who sees us and cares about us and provides for us. He offers us the best, yet we often don't choose it. We choose the counterfeit, the fraud, the person or thing that will take our life captive and make us slaves. I keep reading the whole Bible, including the Old Testament, every day because it reminds me of what happens when I don't give God the place of honor 
and authority in my life? What happens when I don't trust him and go his way? Bad things happen. This keeps me on trust trail and away from pride pathway. It helps me avoid the temptation of mingling with the locals, of being influenced by the world to forsake God. So what can you do? If you have identified false idols in your life, how do you correct the problem? It'll likely take some time, effort, and definitely a serious dose of truth. The place to begin is with confession and repentance. We need to go to God and talk to him about what we've done. We need to express our sorrow and regret for putting our trust in false idols and rejecting it. That will set our feet on a new course. Then spend time with the Lord every day in his word and praying, asking him to redirect your life. Get connected to your shepherd. 1 Peter 2.25 says, For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. I have many resources to help support you through this too. My devotional books, Healing Words and Resting Words, my nonfiction book, Roadmap to Healing, and my three Bible studies. Everything we do in this ministry is designed to help you get free from whatever is holding you back from living the life you were created to live. And that includes today's message, Why God's Power May Be Missing. All scripture is from the New King James Version, unless otherwise stated. Thank you for listening to Cindy Sherwood's podcast. Visit us on the web at hishealinglight.org to learn more about our ministry. Please consider rating us on iTunes or your other favorite music app. God's best to you today.